So a lot of people get really excited about the prospect of building and monetizing an email list. And if you are excited about that, we have made a podcast two weeks ago about that topic. So you can go and check it out before you watch this episode. But the problem is most people set up their lead magnets and opt-in pop-ups and people start joining their email list and then crickets. You don't know what to send to your list and even less how to make money from it. I know because I've been there too. And you're afraid to promote stuff to them. I mean, you're afraid people are going to call you a sellout. Selling stuff via email and directly is a lot more aggressive than passively selling through ranking reviews on Google. It can be a little bit scary when you're just starting with it. So in today's episode, Mark and I are going to be sharing the techniques that we use to engage and monetize the email list that we build with websites. We will be answering very common questions like how often should you email your list? Should you write short or long emails? How much value emails versus commercial emails should you send? And how to automate the whole thing in a very clever way. So without further teasing, let's get started. Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. And now your hosts, Gail Breton and Mark Webster. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Authority Hacker Podcast. This is going to be the second episode of the series we're doing on email marketing. I don't know if we'll do a third one or not. We'll decide about that. We'll see on the reactions, etc. It was an interesting one. We did the first one two weeks ago on opt-in pop-ups and overall like getting emails and capturing emails, but opt-in pop-ups is a big part of our strategy. And if you have a site, it's going to be probably a big part of yours. It was interesting in the sense that this definitely wasn't the podcast that got the most views, but it got good engagement and a lot of people commenting, they commented, sorry, that they were excited about us covering this topic. So, you know, we're going to go with it and regardless of whatever YouTube thinks of it, etc. And uh, today we are going to cover like what to do with the emails you're collecting. So if you want to know how to build your list, go check out this podcast two weeks ago. I think there's Spencer's podcast in between. And then come back here and watch this one. And then we will be here because you can watch this video anytime you want. It's not just the premiere. And we are doing this, of course, with Mark because I have been doing all my email marketing with Mark. So how are you doing, Mark? I'm doing good. And I just realized we did our 250th podcast episode last week and we did absolutely zero and celebration. Yeah. And so we didn't even <laughs> say anything about it. This is episode 251, so yeah, we're we're a quarter of the way to 1,000. That's both great and sad, you know. It's like that you, we get to talk so much on our own. How many podcast downloads do we have in total on this podcast? Actually, like ever. Let me check. In, let me check the audio. The audio has almost two million, actually 1.93 million downloads since we started uh, on SoundCloud. Plus whatever's on YouTube that doesn't count the YouTube view. So probably probably around. Not too far from 2 million, pretty much. Interesting. Well, thank you for listening, everyone, I guess. I guess my analogies are not that bad, Mark. You can't make fun of them anymore. But if you have nothing to add on that topic, let's talk about email marketing. And uh, before we jump into like the tactics, extract, there will be tactics. We will talk about like advanced stuff. We'll talk about the tools you should use. We'll talk about all that stuff in this episode. I wanted to kind of like, you know, I like to zoom out a bit and be like, is it worth my time? Like, how does it fit into the overall like authority side model, etc.? So where does email fit? Are you going to make more money than writing reviews? Are you going to make less money? You know, is it more or less volatile, etc., etc.? I think that's quite important. And I like to make, when we open that topic, I like to make the distinction between the people who sell their own products, whether that's physical products or info products or services actually. And the people who are just playing the affiliate game and who are trying to refer 
people to you know buy other people's products essentially and that's how you monetize and maybe you're doing some advertising as well right so there will be two categories here and to be frank the benefits of email marketing is going to differ quite a bit between these two categories right so Let's start with the people who don't have products, the people who do the classic affiliate game, the people who maybe have AdStrive, Mediavine, whatever on their site as well, and that's how they monetize. Like, what is email marketing gonna do for you? I'll do this one, you can do the products one actually. The first thing is it generates regular traffic to your new content, which sounds like meh, but when we have done that, we have noticed that when we generate activity on our new posts, we manage to Essentially, it ranks faster. Usually when your site has a bit of authority, et cetera, like stuff happens on Google. Like I can't tell you why exactly, but what I know is like content that we have published that we have then promoted heavily has often showed up page one on Google pretty fast versus content that we would just publish, not tell anyone. And then it takes several weeks to show up even on very high authority sites. So it's one of these things that, and I think a lot of SEOs agree, right? When we have guests, I tend to ask that question and I tend to kind of like bring up that topic. And most people tend to agree that they seem to observe the same thing. So that's one of these things. You can generate traffic on tap. I was actually checking, for example, we did, I think I did an email for like one of our recent podcasts and, you know, I did an email and there was a thousand three hundred views that were generated from that one email, for example. It's like, it's nice. You, you're able to generate some traffic right away and that helps. So that's, I would say, a moderate help. Like it's probably not worth running a whole process just for the ability to generate traffic, but it's nice to have. Another thing that we did when we were playing the email marketing pure affiliate game was we used the access to our email list as a trading currency to acquire other things. And so a lot of these other things were links, right? So, so I'm thinking about when we were doing that on Health Ambition, we would have that weekly newsletter we would send on Sunday, which was essentially an industry roundup, right? It would share like our best At least it start, started off that way as an industry roundup. <laughs> and then right, it got to the point Let me explain what it was supposed to be. Let me explain what it was supposed to be, then you explain what it actually became, okay? Essentially, so the idea was to make an industry roundup, you know, send a dozen links to our subscribers on Sundays and be like, these are like 12 articles you should check if you care about health leave, pretty much. And so the idea was that we would essentially be able to trade featuring people in that newsletter for them linking to some of our content on health ambition. And a lot of these bloggers, et cetera, would be quite excited about that. We had a pretty big email list at the time, and that was a great opportunity to acquire links at pretty much zero cost and give something that felt valuable to people without it really costing us very much on top, right? So that was the idea. Now, what did it become, Mark? Well, it was so successful that the emails <laughs> became just lists of people who had linked to us. And we, <laughs> we had a backlog, we had to stop saying we were gonna do this because we had such a long backlog of people. This was sort of what, 2015, 16, when yeah, mass out, no, not many people were doing like shotgun skyscraper mass outreach, we so were, it was somewhat unique. Yeah. And I, I don't think you would get those same numbers or that same uptake uh, these days. Although it's still a good piece of value that you can trade for someone. Like if you don't want to buy links, you can't afford links or just to get your foot in the door kind of thing. So it's definitely something worth considering. Just be careful. It doesn't sort of dissolve into a you know massive spam fest or just a list of shitty sites that, that are linked. It was a different time. Promotion. We literally didn't teach anyone Shotgun Skyscraper at the time and we were using it heavily. We were getting like you know, I remember our cost per link was like four bucks or something. It was really, really no, like, four five. Man, How much every, was every it? Time you How much every time you say this number, like it comes How down. How much was it? Was, it? Oh, you were you were running it. it. You were running it. it. Eight bucks. How much was you it? You know, someone posted on like a Facebook group, 
Like they, they actually broke down the numbers you did when you, you said it. And like, there's no way this can be, can be accurate. And I had to like spend like two hours going in and explaining how Gail had okay, so, miscalculated so fix it wrong. That. So, so fix so that and like, how much was it? How much be, was it when I had, a, I, had a high, I had a high dose? So there was one campaign, there was one campaign when it was $12 a link, but that was, that was not representative of the average. How many links for $12 like to give a scale? A couple dozen or so. Okay, so now and then average, how much would you say that? Let's just fix this once for once and for you know, like how much was it on average, like over a year, let's say. I don't know, but it was between twenty and forty dollars cut. Okay, okay, so let's fix that record. Fine, I made that mistake. This Four dollars. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I heard that. I'm pretty sure I heard that at some point, but it's like it's very possible that I made a mistake. You did. So I'm admitting. I'm, I'm pretty sure I heard that, but never mind. We're not. We're not nobody's gonna fact check that. But anyway, twenty to forty dollars. Let's just quote this number in the future. So it was still very much cheaper than it would be today. Like when we run campaigns now, it tends to even in resources cost us a lot more to buildings, right? And so as a result, we would get a much higher success rate. And as a result, yeah, it would just essentially flood the, the weekly newsletter. It's like, yeah, it, it, but it worked. And we got links for that without paying a dollar. And that was nice. So that's one thing you can do is, with that email list. And obviously, the last thing you can do is promote affiliate offers and essentially try to sell stuff to people. It's not worth it for low paying offers, right? Sorry. So, th- I mean, this is the main reason why an affiliate site would, would want to do this. And, and I don't yeah. think that anyone should be giving up their day job of writing reviews or commercial content because there's loads of money in affiliate, affiliate marketing by email. It's very much like a supplementary thing to what you would be doing on a, on a standard aff- affiliate site. So just like think of it in, in those terms as something else you can do to make some extra money rather than replace the core of it's of a supplementary source of income. And you know, it really depends on the size of your list and how engaged they are with it. I remember we did some promos to products that paid like five dollars or ten dollars in commission, which you know, I guess to be fair, that's that's not super low. I mean, if we're talking about a three dollar Amazon product that pays one percent, then that's obviously not gonna be yeah. worth it anyway. But Anything which you can make like five, ten dollars or more from a conversion, then it can potentially work in, in email. You don't really need that many people to convert to start the, for the numbers to start making sense. If you can get products which are paying you, you know, thirty, forty dollars plus in commission, so we're thinking of uh, either very high commission stuff or very high priced stuff. I like think of info product courses and things like that. Then the numbers really can start to make a lot of sweat, a lot of sense quite quickly. Yeah, I mean, that's one thing with email as well is like, don't expect that you're always going to make like a ton of money per email, but you can send a lot of emails. Like I remember, like we would run emails. It's like you know, some emails would make like two hundred bucks, three hundred bucks. Like it's not like we were making like massive bank, etc. But we would run one of like one of these emails every two or three days. And at the end of the month, it was quite a bit of money, pretty much. So it's like, there's very much an effect of like, you could be sending a lot of emails that make you some money, but not crazy money. And then eventually it adds up to be quite good money. But I still agree that SEO is still a better way to make affiliate income. I think it's more of a supplementary source of income as an affiliate than it is your main way of monetizing. And that's why, you know, there's way more affiliate sites that try to get Google traffic than affiliate sites that try to do email marketing, right? It's like probably because it's, it's more valuable, but obviously as SEO becomes more competitive, it's quite interesting. And most importantly, when you run that kind of site, you could be running lead generation, so capturing emails, 
on your content, on like info content, you know, on the content that doesn't do the affiliate reviews, etc. And so maybe you did that info content to capture email, to capture links. First of all, you, you wanted to do it for link building, skyscraper, blah blah blah, etc. And then once you're done, then you can use that as a lead gen thing and then monetize that content through your email list and affiliate offers, etc. But I think it's important to put things in context and not coming and be like, this is going to be the number one amazing solution that's going to solve all your problems. I think affiliate SEO is still a better moneymaker to this day, in most niches at least. Another way of thinking of it though is if you, let's say you buy a website and it's already doing kind of decent on, on SEO or any SEO work you might be thinking of doing, link building stuff might take a little while to, to kick in or to have, have an effect. If you want to like show some relatively short-term upward traction or, or gains, or if you're thinking of selling a site as well, and you want to you know pump your revenues yeah. so that you can get a higher higher sale figure, especially, then you add five hundred dollars a month in in revenue to your by doing this. I'm thinking of selling it next year or the end of the year. Then that could increase your. I'm having to do some math in my head real quickly, but it's just not working. So I don't know what's what's five hundred <laughs> times thirty to forty. <laughs> you get the calculator. It's one hundred and fifty grand. Okay, no oh, fifteen grand. It's fifteen grand. <laughs> 15 grand. Yeah, I just added one zero, as I always do there, apparently. So there you uh, go. <laughs> so, so, so it's fine. So you know, it's, it's good. Like fifteen thousand dollars, like for what is not a difficult thing to do, and you don't need any more traffic. Potentially worth it, you know. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's nice, but also you know, you mentioned the SEO work. Usually, when you do SEO work. You do SEO work for companies that sell products or that have products, etc. It's kind of like a different category. Emails become a much better source of traffic when you have your own products. You tend to have higher conversion rate when you sell products on your own site versus when you sell products on other people's sites. And in general, just the relationship is quite different. And like we could really feel the effect when we were selling our own stuff, even when it was crappy. Remember, like when we would be selling like crappy ebooks, etc. For example, we'd be sending traffic to a crappy ebook of ours, or we'd be sending traffic to, you know, a ClickBank offer that is quite heavily tested at the time and was really popular and was making tens of thousands of dollars per day. And we would make around the same revenue in the end, you know, even though they were very likely much more optimized, they did much better testing, they had better copy, they had better everything, better checkout. We would still, like, it would quickly compare in numbers, even though we were not as optimized on the sales process itself. So, two reasons for that, which you, you alluded to. So, one is, is because it's your own product and the people following you on your email list care about you. They're invested in you. They trust you more than some other brand that you're mentioning for the first time. So, that's one thing. And two is, you don't have to pay affiliates' commission. You keep all of the profit, all of the money, and yeah. thus you can make more money from each sale in, in that sense. That's when, yeah, that's why when you have your own product, like email is a very important source of traffic, much more than it is when you play as an affiliate. So even for the affiliates that consider email, like, yes, you can make decent money with like, it's a good side income. But really, when you start becoming quite serious about email, you should also becoming quite, start becoming quite serious about making your own products because that's when you're going to essentially unleash the full potential of email marketing. This is so important, though, because this is what happened to us. Like we started doing email marketing to sell products as an affiliate, we realized yeah, there was yeah. money. And then because we had the potential to sell our own products to our existing, by that point, email list, it was such an easy thing to just say, okay, well, let's now start doing our own products. And all we have to do is, is change the product we're recommending in this, this email, more or less. We can make money. A big problem with people getting into info products, especially info products when they're trying to sell them, is they spend all this time making the product, but they're like, all right, how do I make sales? How do I sell? And 
you know, email is one of, or if not the biggest channel to do that. So if you're building this infrastructure and capability, then by promoting affiliates, then it's easy to make that switch. I don't think it's the biggest channel anymore, but it's a good channel. I think ads are a bigger channel now. Even retargeting tends to outweigh no, emails. No, I disagree. So there are many products out there that have very successful cold traffic ad campaigns. But for someone getting into info products for the first time, they're oh, very to unlikely started, yeah, to yeah. make those. They're very unlikely to make those those work. It's very difficult, and there's very few products can do it. When it does work, it's hyper hyper successful. I was more saying like I, I, my my argument later is that email is often probably the highest return investment because it's quite cheap to run, and then you essentially don't pay very much for your sales. But I think with retargeting, you can make more volume of sales where it's going to cost you more per sale. Just you, you tend to be able to send more traffic back to your site than email will at this point. When we run retargeting side by side with email, we send very often three to four times more traffic with retargeting than we send with email. But the cost of a sale with retargeting will be, let's say, 200 bucks, whereas the cost of a sale with email is going to be 30 bucks, you know? So the, the highest return investment is very often email, but the highest volume of sales is often retargeting ads, etc. But now that we're on this topic, let's just talk about this. <laughs> the problem with retargeting and ads, etc., is that you need, in many niches, Facebook, Google, etc., are quite picky on what you can display on your ads, right? And it's like you can't make promises. You can't, if you're selling diets, you can put before and after photos. You can't, you know, a lot of things that they're going to be constraining on your landing page as well. You cannot put any claims, etc. So for us, your marketing like we, is very constrained, you know. For us, a good examples with Authority Hacker, like we have a ton of students who we've done like actual video interviews with on our set. For all these are on our sales page, where like you know this person sold their site for a lot of money or they've made X amount, and they they talk specific about those numbers. But we have to edit all of that stuff out and cut it from the landing pages when we want to advertise on Facebook because they don't allow any of that stuff. It's too like make money online, false promise kind of thing for them, which is, you know, their decision. For many other niches too, you know, for many, many, many other niches. Like if you like if you work in real estate, you need to be careful as well on like making return investment projection figures. And if you're working in finance, a lot of restrictions will be here. If you're working in health, there's a ton of restrictions too. You know, we have yeah. these friends who Some, like have these kind of like like sexual awakening type courses, etc. They can't do anything on ads, etc. So email. Yeah. People who are in crypto as well at the moment, I think, yeah. fa didn't Facebook ban all of crypto advertising? Yeah. So, and these are, these are big money niches, right? These are niches where there's a lot of money. And the thing with email is you are, I mean, there's a little bit of censorship with the spam filters of like Gmail and Hotmail, et cetera. Like if you're really, really, really spammy, they will block you, but it's pretty lenient compared to ad platforms, et cetera. So it's, it's one of these places where you are, you can have pretty strong marketing with very few limits compared to paid traffic. So that's that's why I was like, okay, paid traffic drives more traffic, but it's actually more constraining and you can lose everything overnight. You can get banned overnight, etc. Email, you can get banned by your provider, but you know, you probably can take a backup of your list and upload it to another provider and just get, keep going with that. So, you know, it's not so bad. Also, you don't have to play the, the Google, the SEO game when you're writing your email content you can yeah yeah you're right kind of like want. blog traditionally and like just here's what i'm thinking about kind of thing because you don't have to worry we'll about, about going to rank for this and and all that we'll talk about like what to put in an email a little bit later but yeah basically yeah but like i want to go back to like what people should do if, if they have products so yeah it's one of the best hour traffic channel it feels like running sales to your list, like you could just like make a broadcast sell, like just put a 20% off on your product and then email your list. And it feels like 
kind of like money on tap. It's very controlled compared to SEO where you just waiting, you just hope that you get the traffic from Google, etc. Here you just like set that cell, you send the email, and then provided your offer has proven to have a degree of conversion, you will make sales. And so it's nice to have a little bit of predictability in what you can do. And you feel that really what you're doing today will impact your money, the money you're making today. It feels nice compared to running SEO as well. So it's it's quite strong that it's like it gives you more control over, let's say, your cash flow. And I quite like it as well. The thing I like about email for people who have products as well is obviously you might be, and if, if we're talking about ads, but even SEO, right, people might visit your site once. And when they opt in, you can market to them multiple times. You can email them multiple times. And very often sales for like higher price products do happen over multiple emails. It's not just like you send one email and they buy. It's like you need to send an email a day for a week or 10 days or something like this and hit them through different angles. And it's not like people read every single email as well, right? They read, you know, like 15% of your list is going to read one email and another 15% is going to read another one, etc. And then some of them will open it but not read it and then read the next one, etc. So you're able to do that and you're able to do that for cheap because, you know, the email tools are not that expensive compared to paying for ads compared to getting traffic through SEO pretty much. And if you have products, one thing that a lot of people like to do with an email list is running a tripwire strategy where they essentially create very cheap products that they market to their email list. So the guys who are really strong at this, I'm not really following their sales funnel anymore, but Digital Marketer was really strong at this, where they make you know, like $7 courses or they make like paid webinars and things like that. It costs like, you know, between seven and 30 bucks, let's say. And then they would, essentially build their buyer's email list from that. And then from that, after that, they would have a different marketing sequence to the people who spend money versus the people who don't spend money. People who don't spend money keep getting marketed the cheap stuff. And people who spend money get marketed more expensive products. And building this kind of strategy on an authority side can make you quite a lot of money. We've done it as well. We've mentioned last week, I mean, last podcast that we did on that topic, we mentioned this opt-in pop-up mastery and double your leads. That was exactly that. It worked really well. So yeah, it's quite powerful to be honest. Yeah, that's all I have to say on people who have products and how viable is email. Anything else you want to add to this? Nope. All right, so go ahead on like what people should email to people, what people should say, and then I'll probably finish on that section. Yeah, so there's three types of, of email or the way, way of thinking of how you categorize these. At the start, you'll need some kind of introduction, introductory email. Digital marketer, I think, called this the indoctrination sequence. I don't really like that that term. It sounds too kind of, you know, Controlly, but uh, yes. uh, you, you <laughs> got like a, a cult, you know. Yeah, yeah. You got to realize when someone's signing up to the authority hacker email list, they're most likely signing up to get something like a, a lead magnet or whatever that we're, we're offering. But the reason they're going to stay is not because the authority hacker brand is is awesome. Like the fact that it's a unless you're a big company like Nike or IBM or something, people aren't really following your company as a brand as such. They're following the person behind it. So in, in our case, Mark and Gail. So it's really important to like put yourself out there with this argument for a while about like putting our photos on there and like, you know, our, our old office and like here's here's our story. We have it actually. That's how we got here. We do now, yeah. But I don't don't think we did it initially. I have a question for you actually. We did this, you know we did this also for Helen Sanders on Health Ambition. How do you feel about this looking back now? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty bad, to be honest. I'm not going to lie. Okay. Yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah, we made up a background story for our persona for the website, pretty much. And so that was, yeah, that wasn't our, I would, our I best. I wouldn't do that again, for sure. That, wouldn't be our, that wasn't our best work. Let's just say that. On the third hacker, it's real, though. Yeah. Either way, you know, if you guys listening want to do something like that, that's fine. But 
introduce yourself or whoever is is kind of representing the the website and share your kind of backstory and stuff. Just be careful not to make it too much about me, 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 me. Have that introduction and then get to the good stuff. And the majority of the emails you're going to be sending people are either some kind of value or some kind of offer. A value email can be really anything, some kind of content which is free and useful to them. It can be a straight up a link to a blog post that you already have. Most websites have a few like evergreen-ish it's like stuff that doesn't doesn't change very often. Blog posts, like pillar articles that they can link to. So if you have some like really high quality stuff, then you know that's a good way of getting people exposure to like a lot of your best free content. And as they do that, they'll fall in love with your brand and think, oh, they they're awesome. It's not I just that. More. You know, we don't just do that, right? You know that when we send content to people, we actually tag them by interest, right? So I'll take the example of a toy hacker, but we did that on other sites too, and it's like. You know, people click on a, an article about shotgun skyscraper, then they get they get tagged link building and they get a score in link building. And then if they click on another link building article after they get, you know, two in link building, three in link building, etc. And essentially we tag people's interests based on the content we send to them. It allows us to send them offers that are relevant to what they care about and not bother. Like email marketing is a good example, right? A typical of a topic that like some of our audience is really happy that we're covering. And then maybe a good chunk, it also doesn't care at all. They're like, I just want to write affiliate reviews, leave me alone, let me write my reviews and rank in Google, you know? And so it's one of these things where when you tag people, you're able to maybe promote that content to these people or maybe promote it to everyone, but then the people who interact with it, then maybe we don't have an offer for that. But if we had an offer on like, you know, how to build your list and we had a mini course on that, then I would probably promote that to the people who interacted with the email that promoted this podcast, for example. And that's why that's a really cool way to know what people want by giving them value. And then after that, selling them what matches their interests that they've displayed through their interaction. It's really cool, but the reality is like we hardly ever use it. And most people who have contact scoring and advanced setups like this hardly ever use it or find that most people fall into like one or two buckets for the kind of things. Yeah, you don't want to make it too complicated. When you're starting off with email marketing, we'll talk about the tools a little bit later, but a lot of these tools, active campaigns, the worst for it, they have so many like crazy advanced features that you can like, you know, read people's minds and all sorts of crazy stuff like that. I mean, I wish, but uh, they're, they're really not far, far off it. But don't get sucked into thinking you need to build all of this tech out when you, you start with. Like one opt-in, one single autoresponder, one single path, one single product or multiple products like in, in order is enough. Like you, I wouldn't recommend I doing this stuff in the beginning at least. I agree. It depends on what you're selling, right? If we were working with like an established company, let's say we're working with like a pet food company or whatever, right? Or just like imagine they have like cat food, dog food, turtle food. Then I would send blog posts about each type of pet. And then based on what people interact with, I would probably send at least special offers based on what they've been interacting with, you know? So it's like, it really depends what you're doing here. But like if you're doing like simple info product funnels, for example, then you don't have to go too deep on that usually. And it's better to just mass blast your list and sell the same thing to everyone, to be honest. Most people have trouble in sustaining content for one email list. And if you start segmenting it into having like multiple channels and cats, dogs, mm, you can automate it. You, know? else, you can automate the it. The amount of content you need to create for that is two, three times higher. Yeah, so it's high. S- start slow and then and then work work up to to that kind of stuff. But getting back to the types of 
of value emails you, you can say. You can literally just send people to a blog post and say, you know, here's here's a few facts about it to get kind of get people's interest uh, interested in it, and then here's a, here's a link to the blog post. What you can also do is you can take a summary or sometimes even all of a blog post and, and actually just put that in the email. Uh, so Ramit Sethi, who's one of the larger, I'd say, info product, email marketing type people who who has a lot of success with this stuff. That's what he does. And the majority of, of his his content is just in email that he's sending to people. So it stops that way it stops people having to click on the link and then go to your site. Although you you kind of like can get sometimes it'll have to be less content in the email itself. That can be better because you're losing fewer people when they're they're clicking through because half the people or more are not gonna go, not gonna click. I'm, I'm less of a fan of this. I've tested both. It's funny. I've tested. We've done like content emails recently, and I've I've deliberately done like one week short, one week long. You know, one week really short and one week like really long. The amount like when we promote a piece of content, we still like, put a call to action even in the long one. The long one. If I remember, got between 200 and 300 clicks. And then the short one got between 1,200 and 1,300 clicks. I'm not talking about clicks, though. Let me finish, because when people click, what I do is I use the pop-up call to actions to even re-trigger them on the people who go on the website. And pretty much the more clicks we get in general, the more sales bumps we get a couple of days later as people go through whatever funnel triggers what people click through. So monetarily for us right now, it's working better to do short emails with a really strong call to action, have them click. And when they go on the website, it triggers whatever offer we're putting on that site. And that generates sales through people going through like the funnel again or whatever, for example. So I'm sure both can work, but I'm telling you what's working for us right now. I think there's a there's an element of what your audience is kind of used to in your email list. So if you've always done that and then you start sending these like super long emails, maybe they're not the type of people that are going to read about it because those types of people aren't subscribed to your email list anymore. So I don't know, selection bias. Yeah, maybe. Uh, no, I think both can work. I think you can do both, to be honest. It's just, it's different strategy. It's just different. It's just like, I don't think this, I don't think Ramit Sethi doesn't even bother that much with SEO, et cetera. Like he doesn't try to make, to build a site in a way that it generates traffic for him. He just probably does paid and affiliates. No, he doesn't have an affiliate program, doesn't do any ads. He only does SEO and... Uh, uh, he has know. his book, I guess. He has his book, I guess. That's how he gets all the, a lot of subscribers. When you don't have a, a New York Times bestseller book or something, then for me it works better, pretty much. They do all right in SEO. They okay. have two sites. So. Okay, fine. Anything else on the emails? Like you have the value and then what? Yeah, so you generally have either a value email like that, which is usually some kind of content, or an offer where you're trying to pitch them a product, could be your own product, could be someone else's product, could also be some kind of like, hey, I found this this thing's on sale, so that's kind of a piece of value that you're off- offering someone It's still somewhat, somewhat commercial. But generally, it's like, hey, there's this product that exists, you might not know about it, or it's on, on sale this weekend, or it's really good, here's why uh, you should buy it, here's a link to, to buy it. It can just be a straight up affiliate link if you're, if you're promoting another product, although not to Amazon, because you can't promote you can't do that in uh put amazon links in in emails and it really doesn't need to be massively complicated just hey here's this product it's it's really cool here's some things i like about it and if people are engaged in your email list then they will listen to you and percentage of them will will buy that product what would you say to people who ask what ratio of like value content against commercial content should you do I think it depends on 
how you train your audience to on what to expect. And there was a really good case. I, f- I forget exactly who it was, but he had only ever done value content in his email, had like tens of thousands of subscribers. And then one time he sent them, it was either an affiliate offer or a pitch for some kind of product. And there was like mass revolt. People were like, oh my God, I can't believe this. Because he'd gone for years without doing that. So he'd set the expectation about this is what this email list is. And then he did something else and people didn't like it. So if you're open and upfront and tell people like, you know, sometimes in the first email, like I'm going to send you valuable content. I'm going to sometimes I'm going to pitch you products or offers that I think might interest you. Then, and you actually do that from a relatively early stage, then I don't see a problem. So you can you can go much more commercial in that sense. And to go back to our, our friend Ramit Sethi, you could argue that 100% of his emails are commercial because the way he structures his funnel, it's like it's a launch, a launch, a launch, a launch. It's all evergreen, but it's like each product launch has maybe like three or four value emails about the topic saying that, hey, this, this product is coming. Yeah, okay. And then it's the, the product itself. So you can kind of classify those as maybe some are, are value, some are, are commercial, but they're all part of one campaign. That makes sense. You know, in my sense. notes, I had a uh, I had longer emails drive engagement and shorter emails drive traffic. That's what I had actually. And that's how I would do that. So we do long emails too, for example. Like in our sales sequence, we do long emails, even though short emails drive more traffic. Because it's like, I don't need necessarily people to click on that email because they're like on a 10 day sequence or something. So it's like, I don't mind if they don't click at the bottom. I'd rather they get exposed to the marketing. And then by the end, the last few emails tend to be shorter so that we get drive more clicks to people that have been more warmed up through the marketing content pretty much. As for the question of like commercial versus value, I'm telling you probably 99% of people who listen to this podcast will lean more, like will lean too much towards providing value and too little towards monetizing. Like this industry is very much like that. But like, you know, when you sign up to an email list for any e-commerce store, what emails do you receive? Every single email is selling you products. And like, if you open your promotion tab in your email, like pretty much every email is selling you stuff and you're completely fine with that. Your email is a place where people sell you stuff. You shouldn't feel bad about it. And I have no remorse sending three or four commercial emails in a row if I have to. I will send a value email, you know, when I have something interesting to say, but don't feel bad selling stuff. Even businesses people love like AppSumo, for example, a lot of people on AppSumo's list and then AppSumo's every email, they sell you stuff, right? And it's, it doesn't mean you hate them. Just again, it's execution. If it's done poorly, if it's written with like no commas, like the way I write, et cetera, then it might be shit. But if you do if it properly. If it's just like the, the products you're promoting are shit and like you're just yeah. doing it to make an affiliate commission because they are paying you the highest. People are going to see through that really quickly yeah. and they're not going to, this isn't the SEO game where they come to your site once and click or they, they don't click. If they're following you for a period of time, like you really need to build trust with them. And that means being genuine in the, the products you're recommending. Yeah. But overall, I think the message to people who will listen and knowing our audience is going to be, don't be afraid to sell to people and be fairly aggressive in when you sell on email. That's the place to sell, to sell hard and to sell higher priced products. And that's how you make money from email. So, and, and there's no ratio. I would also add to that is a lot of people get very concerned when they send a sales email and they get 0.5% of the list unsubscribing. That's like totally normal. Whatever email you send, you'll get people unsubscribing. You'll get probably a few more people when you send them commercial stuff. But if you're sending them offers and they're, they're not buying, they're unsubscribed, those people were never going to buy stuff from you anyway. So like the value in your list is the people who are going to buy one of your products or someone else's. 
products. So you have to focus on doing what they want and giving them the stuff that that segment wants. That's how you make money. Yeah, yeah, I, it happens. Like, and you will have emails. Like, usually, the you know what is the number one correlated stat with unsubscribe? What? Open rate. It's like, it's basically like the more open you, so the better your subject line, the more unsubscribes you get, regardless of what you say in your email, right? The more it attracts attention, the more you get unsubscribed. So for us, it's pretty much every time we get a high open rate, we get a high unsubscribe rate. And usually when you get low unsubscribe, it means people didn't even notice our email. So high unsubscribe rate is not that bad. It often means you made a good email. It's just that there's always a percentage of lists that will unsubscribe. For example, the last email we did to the age list, I'm looking at it now, we did 20% open rate, which is pretty good. And 0.36% of, uh, of the list unsubscribed. So that was quite a few subscribers for us. And that was a very high unsubscribe rate. Usually we're around 0.2, maybe something like this, 0.18. But that's because the open rate was really good. And because I cleaned the list, etc., then the percentage is higher because the people who never opened also never unsubscribed. And so, yeah, basically don't feel bad about people unsubscribing. And also don't feel bad when you sell something and then that one person replies and gets really pissed off. Like usually you have an email list with like hundreds or thousands of people that don't mind or buy stuff. And you get that one person that gets really pissed off and like really tries to make you feel bad about trying to sell something or making some money with your website or your email list. Yeah, it's going to happen. And fine. It's like, I don't, don't worry about it. It happens. Like we, our support staff, I'm looking at it on Slack now, but our support staff literally just like shares the screenshots of the emails of people insulting us when we send an email or something like that. That happens every time. It doesn't mean, even if they report you as spam, you'll be fine. Like as long as it's not most of your list, you'll be okay. Anything else to add to all of this? Oh yeah, writing tactics, right? Yeah, so just a few writing tactics I wanna, wanna share with you guys. There's this concept called open loops, which is really important with email marketing. Because you're sending emails over a period of time and you're expecting people to check the next one, you really wanna be getting them to engage with, with all your emails. So if you kind of silo all your content, so you give them everything they need to know about topic A in this one, and then the, tomorrow is something completely different, and there's no reference to the last email, then it's much easier for them to, to drop off or disengage. Whereas if you're saying something today, and then you might say be talking about a topic and say, oh, but more of that tomorrow, or I'll tell you about that next Wednesday or, or, or something, you can open this loop. They do that a lot in like TV shows and series to get you to, to watch like the next episode or the next season, like that's cliffhanger and, and all that kind of thing. So use those tactics to keep people engaged. That's one thing. I would also say that the level, the standard of writing is much more casual in, in email. Like the, the way you write your emails, Gail, I think is quite good for this. I've seen a lot of people have this massive like wall of text, which just doesn't work in an email, especially when you think a lot of people are reading on their phone. So it's like narrow screens and, and all that stuff. Just write short, snappy sentences, not wordy paragraphs. I'd also say make it about them, not about you. So we talked a little bit about this when we mentioned the introduction. You obviously need to describe who you are and what you do and that stuff. But all the content should be around the topic you're talking talking about and how can your subscriber, how can your reader get value from this or implement this or do something with this. Make it about them, not about you. So use the word you and your and stuff, those kinds of terminology in your emails when you're, you're writing them because uh, people will think, oh, that's about me. People are very interested in, in themselves. You'll see this a lot when you write emails for this stuff. 
yeah, make it actionable as well. Uh, obviously, really important. And then this is kind of interesting because we mentioned the pop-up podcast we did two weeks ago and how the numbers from our podcast were not that great, but the feedback and comments and stuff was really, really great. You'll find that whatever topic your your website, your list is about, there will be certain subtopics that just people love and can't get enough of. For us, it's it's link building. It's a big thing. People people love it. And anytime we do something on link building, it tends to do really, really well. Link building, picky a niche. That's the main topic, really. Like that's what people want. Yeah. So you obviously want to direct the majority of your efforts in that way when you're you're doing your your marketing. So pay attention to these these signals and create content, create products around that for your your email marketing. And the last thing I'll say is that scarcity sells. So if you have a product or an offer which is going away in some way, price increase, it's only uh, launched for a limited period of time, the discount's Bonuses. expiring, bonus is expiring, things like that, people react much more strongly than if they can just go to your website and buy it anytime because this is the normal price. Like If there's a special deal or a special occasion for why they, they should buy this now, then they, they tend to to react much better to that. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a fan personally of this way of selling, but you can't trump the numbers. It's just like, it works too well to ignore it. And it's like, yeah, like if you put a giant countdown above an offer, even if your if your copy is shit, it's, it's still going to be the really well written page without a countdown. It's, it's kind of how it works. And a lot of businesses use that e-commerce, et cetera, as well. So, well, it is, it is what it is. Another type of email that actually you haven't mentioned that I wanted to highlight is question emails. And I don't know if you remember when we just started, it's like we just emailed to our email list, like, how can we help you? And then we just got a bunch of replies from people. People reply to these kind of emails. If you make it look like you just emailed a friend, it's like, hey, how can we help you? Or like, are you still looking to, you know, a toy hacker? I'd be like, are you still looking to be on a toy site, for example? I would just email that to the list. And then what it will allow us to do is essentially, first of all, get really a lot of insight into what people want, into what the audience wants. But most importantly, it's going to allow us to also highlight people who would buy our product. Or buy, like I could just essentially advise people one by one, but actually make sales if I wanted. I think that's especially powerful if you're selling like a service. Like if I was Empire Flippers, for example, I would run that on my list. I'd be like, uh, have you bought a site yet? Or have you sold your site yet? And then let people reply. And then essentially just like contact that, like put that with my sales rep or put that with my support or something. And then I'm telling you, they would make a lot of money right away from that. So someone tweet them this part of the podcast if you want. And if they make a lot of money, I'm expecting a really nice pair of socks or something like this, you know? <laughs> but yeah, so that, that, that would be like one type of email that's like, it's not something you want to do very often, but it's, you will be so surprised at how much people reply and people like you write a really short question and they write you like a giant paragraph, etc., and you get a big insight into what your audience wants. It's quite powerful. I think we should even like look at doing this again at some point. I'm just afraid with the size of our lists now that it's just going to be unmanageable. Yeah. But, yeah, but this is a really good tactic early on because you have fewer people responding so you can actually take the time to respond to everyone and get to know people a little bit better and that builds a really highly engaged list. Yeah, how often would you email your list? So this is another it depends uh, answer. I'm, I'm sorry, L let me clarify like w what I mean here. I think you have to email them regularly, like minimum once a week, maybe even twice a week really. I know we don't do that at the moment. We, we totally should. I remember speaking to Greg from Empire Flippers about email marketing and disengaged lists and all this stuff. There's a lot of people who have sites 
who have email lists who think that, oh, I have this email list, therefore there's a lot of value in that, so I should be able to sell my site for more. But unless you're engaging and monetizing that email list, it's essentially worthless or almost worthless because a disengaged list that you've, you never email, like if we went to Health Ambition right now, who we haven't emailed in probably three <laughs> years or something now, and emailed that list, you know, no one would remember us. People would be like, well, why, who are you? Why are you emailing me? Go away kind of thing. So you have to be Probably a good YouTube video though. Yeah. Maybe I emailed my three years old list. Here is what happened, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> well, if you want to, but I think that you need to be emailing people every week. On the flip side of that is a lot of people are saying, uh, we'll, we'll ask, well, is there, how much is too much? I think if you're doing more than once a day, and unless you're in a the last day of a sale or the, the first day when they sign up, maybe they get a couple of emails, then once a day is probably the, the, the most. So somewhere between once a week and once a week, twice a week, and once a day is what you should be should be going for. Personally, I don't like to email people too much. So, you know, two, three times a week would be optimum, I think. I'm not going to quote who it is, but we have a friend who's really good at email marketing right now. And he emails at least once a day, sometimes even more. And he's killing it. He's doing really well, selling his own products as well, etc. And yeah, it's one of these things, you know, when I mentioned like people are going to be under aggressive, etc. that listen to this podcast, it's like, I see these guys, I see how much they're, they're racking in the bank, just like taking all the money from the table and just like rocking, laughing all the way to the bank. And it's like they email aggressively. Like one time a day would be like average, but like there are always days where they email twice as well. That's the thing though. As a business, when you look at this, you know, let's say in a year you send 50 emails. If you increase the number of emails you send in the next year, you're almost guaranteed to make more money. Every time you run that calculation, you can you could almost keep pushing it. There will be like a, a limit. I'm sure if you're sending multiple emails every day for a year, then you, you probably push it a bit, bit too much. But the number is much higher than you, you think. Yeah, I, I expect most people in this podcast, and tell us in the chat if you're in your premiere, but my expectation would be most people would aim for like once a week or something. And you can go much higher than that. When we are like on quiet time on a toy hacker, we barely even do that. But when we are on proper sales time, we, we actually... You know, like, for example, our sales sequence on Hacker, it's not 24 hours between emails, it's 20 hours, actually. So it's actually more than once a day. If you want, if you want an example of a sales sequence uh, that emails more than once a day, when you just join in the first funnel on Hacker, you get the time lapse, the time between two emails is between 20 and 22 hours, usually. Sometimes 18, like it kind of varies. But yeah, it shows you it's more than once a day, pretty much. So yeah, here you go. Let's talk about kind of like, automating because we kind of like talked about what to do in the email and like when to email and all this stuff. But let's talk about kind of like the framework people should follow to build up their email and, you know, essentially build up that system. Right. And so we've talked about types of emails. We've talked about when to email. We've talked about templates, et cetera, et cetera. Now, essentially you, what you need to do is you need to use what's called broadcast in your email tool, essentially just like sending a newsletter pretty much live. And it's going to be like when you pick up affiliate programs, right? When you pick up affiliate programs outside of Amazon, 80% ends up being crap and 20% ends up working and that's being generous already. Email is going to be very much the same, right? You're going to be sending emails and a lot of them are going to flop. Even commercial emails, you make zero. It happened to us many times. You know, even value emails, people will ignore completely, not really care, etc. And well, these emails, they might as well just be thrown away. So you don't want to ever use them, etc. However, you know, one every eight to 10 emails, you'll probably get something that does much better than average. And these emails you would want to essentially 
reuse them. You will want as many people as possible, but you want to create an automation that will send these emails to all the new subscribers so that pretty much every new subscriber from the point when you've discovered that email gets exposed to it once at least so that you get the maximum benefit from emails that have been proven to work. And so the way you're going to structure this is people will opt into your email list and you will decide on an email frequency. So, you know, between one and four times a week, let's say, and then you will put one of these successful emails one after the other, pretty much. And after people are done with the autoresponder, you move them to a new email list. You can make an automation with your tools. That's going to be called your broadcast list. And your broadcast list is the page is the place where you will essentially keep sending these next emails that you're going to be testing. So you will try new offers. You will try to send new blog posts, try new value, etc. And every time there's one that works, go back to your autoresponder, add it. When people fall off the autoresponder, they are in your broadcast list, and then they're the place where you test the future emails that you will put in your autoresponder. It's a very simple process. Don't do anything else than that. Just do that. And you can, you know, if you have, if you email twice a week and then you make a one-year autoresponder, you can put like 104 emails into one of these autoresponders. And then after that, people fall into broadcast, but like you will maximize your lead value as you go because you have put your best emails first to people. It's important maybe to put them in sequence as well. So like when you're promoting like a high paying offer, like if let's say you're promoting uh, an online training or you're promoting an expensive physical product or something, I would not just send one email about it and go to the next thing as well. I would probably send like a series of three to four emails talking about that. And if that's successful, then I would keep these three to four emails together when I put them into my autoresponder, not just put the one email that got really high success and ignore the others because usually people might have been exposed to the other marketing and decide to buy from this email. And so that's quite important. So when you do this, essentially make blocks of this, maybe make a week of emails, two to three emails, and then just put them in your autoresponder if it's been successful. That's the simple solution for that. Would you agree with that approach? Like nothing more, nothing less. Yeah, I think that works. First time we agree in this podcast, so it's good. <laughs> let's talk about email tools. Yeah, so let's talk about tools, but can you do all of that stuff with all the, the tools or are some of them too rudimentary for that? It's basically two tools I'm going to recommend, mostly. It's for the people who are just getting started, I like MailerLite. MailerLite is it's not the absolute cheapest, but it's cheap, right? It's like if you have a list of 5,000 people, it costs you 30 bucks a month. So it's, it's not too crazy in price. But they have pretty decent like automation logic, etc. It's, it's kind of like active campaign light, you know? So you can do these things. And, uh, and it's not too expensive. And they have a free plan. So if you want to get started with email, but you're not sure, up to 1,000 subscribers and 12,000 emails per month, it's free, actually. So you can get started with that. And it's big enough that it's, it has integrations with, you know, like Thrive Leads and Optin Monster and all the tools that you might want to use to, to capture emails. So, you know, there, there is cheaper tools, but sometimes they're lacking the integrations with the tools you might want to use to build your email list and so on. And so I don't like it so much. MailerLite is the compromise for me. So that's the one I recommend. If you are like a product owner, if you have an e-commerce and you want deep e-commerce integration, etc., we like ActiveCampaign. Uh, it has like even a WooCommerce integration. You can use it as a CRM, etc. It's quite powerful. And you can do anything that any of the most advanced email tools can do. So that's pretty much the only two tools I'm going to recommend. But I would say for 99% of people listening to this podcast, MailerLite is going to be good enough if you don't have like a big product business and it's not too expensive. So yes, you can do these things with MailerLite. It's probably one of the refreshes that we're going to be looking at this year. Um, uh, there is some of that on Autoria Hacker Pro already, but I think we can, I'm going to do it on, uh, I have it on ActiveCampaign, but I want to also show it on MailerLite. 
So I might uh, I might do that this year actually. So that's I'm not gonna recommend more. I know there's plenty, but like you know, a lot of people recommend Mailchimp, for example. But Mailchimp, to my knowledge, I didn't check recently, but to my knowledge, has an anti-affiliate link policy. So if you're doing affiliate, it's going to be complicated. And the free plan is pretty much similar to what the free plan on MailerLite is. So you might as well just use MailerLite. Uh, I just want to add, ActiveCampaign also have an anti-affiliate link thing But they don't well, enforce it. Though, though it's not enforced very often. I think if you're if you're doing a lot of like really spammy stuff, they'll they'll probably use that as an excuse to, to boot you off. But yeah, we, we did it with a, one of our sites a while back for quite a while and wasn't really a problem. So I mean, not spam. We we did promote aff- affiliate offers with it only. It, it worked fine. Yeah. Okay. So that's pretty much the only tools I want to recommend. I don't want to make a big list. MailerLite if you want a cheap but good off- option. If you want the super advanced stuff, go for Active Campaign. All right, to finish it up, I know you guys like when we talk about advanced tactics as well. So if you're doing email marketing already and you came to this podcast, you probably want to hear some uh, tactics. So I'm going to give you some very simple, very practical tactics that we use that get us better results with email marketing, right? The first one is A-B testing your subject line. It's very simple. Most tools can do that. I don't know if MailerLite can do that, but I think they can do that. And you can essentially put two subject lines into your email tool and you let it decide. Like for what they do is for us, they send the email, one email to 10% of the list. Another one with the same email with another subject line to 10% of the list. Look at the open rate or click-through rate, depending on what we choose. And then two, three, four hours later, they send the rest of the list, the winning email. And so it's really simple. We just have to write two subject lines and we easily get, you know, like two to 5% more open rate very often without really trying very hard. So I recommend you do that. It works really well for us and it's simple to do. And I like these kind of tips where it's like not too much work. The other tip that is not too much work that most tools have is resending the same email with a different subject line to the people who did not open the email. So let's say I send an email to, I send an email about this podcast, about like how to do advanced email marketing, how to do email marketing. And then 20% of the list opens it, 80% of the list doesn't open it. After three days, I go in active campaign and I have this resend option. And then I can write a new subject line and it's going to resend that email only to the 80% of people who did not open the email. And the 20% of people who did open the email will not receive that again. And in the inbox, it's not gonna look like the same email twice because the subject line is going to be different. You would think that some people would complain about this, I've done it many times. I mean, I've never heard the support guys tell me there was any complaint about it ever. So, and usually we get 20 to 30% more opens and traffic when we do a resend with a different subject line. So it's pretty good. And it's really simple as well. You just go in the active campaign or MailerLite, rewrite a subject line, send, done, you know? So that's pretty much actually the only two advanced tactics I wanted to share. Anything else you want to share with people? No. Okay, well, we're just going to wrap it up. Guys, if you enjoyed it, don't forget to subscribe on our YouTube channel or on the podcast channels, wherever you are listening to your podcasts and like the video and click the notification bell if you haven't done that on YouTube and drop us a comment to let us know if you want us to cover more funnel, email marketing stuff, etc., or if you want us to go back to SEO, we will do whatever people vote for. So let us know in the comments and we will see you next week for another episode of the podcast. Have a good week. Mm-hmm.